1: So today we're going to talk about functioning well in a world of futility. We're going to talk about functioning well as believers, as Christians, in a world that constantly challenges our faith, in a world that constantly challenges the truth, in a world that constantly challenges righteousness, in a world that constantly challenges us to walk away from what we know to be God's revelation of His truth, of His Word. To us, dealing with the struggles in life we face the challenges our faith and spiritual growth and making us live dishonorable lives. You might ask, is that really possible? Is it possible for someone who believes in God, who trusts in God, who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to, to live in futility and not function that way? Sure possible. I have met many people who profess to being a Christian but are functioning like pagans or even atheists. So it's possible. Remember to function as a Christian in a non-Christian world we need to build our faith. We need to find the trajectory towards spiritual growth. Without exercising our faith and without growing spiritually, we will not be able to function as believers. And you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, it's the new year. It's time to kick off uh, my, my walk with God again and all of that. And that's a good resolution. It's a good resolution to do that every year. But you know what? We need to have that sustained, sustained approach towards growing and strengthening our faith and growing in our walk with God, growing spiritually. It's important for every follower of Jesus Christ to know that the cross is a bridge from futility to functionality. How do we respond to the challenges to our faith in God? Many of us cannot function properly in our walk with the Lord because we we get caught up in what's happening in the world. We We get caught up with the things that are going on in our life. And oftentimes, we try to attempt to solve our issues, to find answers to the trials and sufferings we face our own way, neglecting the the revelation that God has already given us. And my goal as a pastor approaching this year is to make sure that we are focused on how to to, to deal with with these challenges because it's going to be with us for the rest of our earthly life. You're not living in heaven, you're living on earth. And so we need to understand how we function honorably in this world from now until we cross over to death, until we go to heaven, until we die. We need to answer. We need to get satisfying answers uh, to be able uh, to deal, to function as godly people when challenges face us. Trials and sufferings. Is our faith sufficient? Absolutely. But better than that, God's grace is even more sufficient to get us to function the way God intends us for to function in this world, the faith we have, the sufficiency of faith is not the issue. Uh, we, but we do not have. We often do not have enough faith to believe that God's grace is sufficient, and we then make futile attempts to solve our own problems outside of God's counsel and outside of God's anointing. And that's really the issue that I wanna, I wanna focus on this morning. How do we function faithfully in a society that challenges God's power, that challenges God's Word, that challenges every principle, every, every attempt that, 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 that the Word of God uh, tries to reveal to us? Every attempt, we, we hit roadblocks. I mean, not not just the world system that, that blocks us, but our own personal struggles in how we deal with the world. How do we function honorably? Because we are called to be vessels of honor for the glory of God. Uh, That's the number one Christian enterprise, okay? How do we stay pure and holy in a world where the value systems are up for grabs? People don't know what's right and wrong anymore, it seems like. How do you function as a Christian? How do you stay true? How do you expose the fidelity of God's word in your life and, and in my life? when you're constantly being bombarded with all kinds of different ways and defining morality according to the world's standards. How are we going to be faithful as Christians when we are, uh, you know, let's say you, you are married to someone who's not a follower of Jesus. That's the struggle that a lot of Christians face. You know, you follow the Lord, but your spouse is not a follower of Jesus and there's always that conflict there's always that battle that goes between the two of you how do you how do you stay functional as a christian when you have to deal with that and i know and i, can, I my heart breaks because i know that how how easy it is to you know to, to, for the sake of peace for the sake of not having an argument or not having a fight just go ahead and let the other person have it their way and the, to the, to, at the expense of our own personal commitment to living honorably for God when our, the people that are close to us are refusing to recognize uh, that God, God's values are more important to us. How do, you show, how do we show we're different from our non-believing friends and neighbors without risking losing our relationships with them? What about our children? How do we begin winning their hearts and minds to Christ when we know we ourselves have not been faithful? These are all barriers. These these all have to do with how we're functioning as followers of Jesus. If I sound condemning, please uh, don't think that I'm trying to make anybody feel guilty. That's not my point every time I proclaim the Scriptures uh, to you. We are all guilty of this. We are all uh, under the same curse of sin and death. We're all under the sentence of death. The difference is we have found the way of redemption through the cross of Jesus. Jesus already secured for us our salvation and our redemption. We don't have to live in the futility of our own minds. We can function honorably for the Lord. The Word of God is clear when it commands us to build ourselves in our most holy faith. In fact, Jude 17, I think it's in your outline, verse 29, it says, But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. That's not a suggestion. That is a command. How do we do that in the face of severe challenges to our faith? We must learn first. The futility of functioning outside of God's rule and power over our lives. If we want to function honorably, listen to me this morning. Forget everything I will have to say. <laughs> but the source of our power to live for God is God. And if we are to function honorably before His name, you cannot worship God and I cannot worship God in my own terms and in our own terms. Okay? God sets the way he ought to be approached. God sets the way he ought to be worshipped. And we jump on that bandwagon. We cannot invent ways to honor God. God specifically declares how he should be worshipped. We're, 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 we're caught into that. Okay, we're, we're, we're captivated by that. We are imprisoned to that. We are servants. We are slaves. The word is doulos. Slaves of Jesus. And by that, I just don't mean, you know, you trust Him, you believe in Him, you bow to Him. It means you follow, and I follow, God's dictates as to how we should approach His throne of power. So, how do we face the severe challenges to our faith? Okay, I got, a, I got eight points this morning, and some of you are nervous already. All right? Pastor, the game starts at 1 o'clock. We want to be out of here by 11.45 at the most, 12 if we're gracious. But I think this is important. And I wasn't here last Sunday, and the worship team took two, three minutes of my time. I make it up. I always do. But don't be scared. It's futile. All right. A couple of things we need to understand That's futile, okay? That that isn't going to work no matter how much we we try. If we want to live honorable lives, if we want to function honorably before God, there are four things. First, that we need to realize that's futile and stop saying that, oh, I can go on doing these things and still function before the Lord honorably, okay? Number one, it's futile to avoid challenges. It's futile. Once you become a Christian... Even if you're not a Christian, challenges are inevitable. And people think, oh, as soon as I follow the Lord, you know, my challenges are going to go away. It doesn't go away. In fact, you and I can't avoid it. It intensifies in some ways. Okay, look at verse uh, 8 once again in our text. It says, Paul writes, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure what's that statement that's a statement of reality that they were facing and this this was written by the great saint paul writing to the great saints of the new testament we need to accept and accept expect rather and accept the inevitability of the challenges we face in life, in the areas of being tempted. We need to accept that there's always going to be that. And we always have to stand our ground and fight it. Trials, temptations and trials that designed to lead us to sin. And the, the, the trials and temptations to, that leads us to suffering... We never invite challenges. We never invite suffering. We don't look for them. We don't purposely try to create them in our lives. But we cannot avoid them. It's futile to avoid those challenges. Let us stop thinking that we're never going to be challenged in the things that we ought to do as good men and women and children of God. It is futile to avoid it. It's part of the Christian call. Jesus exemplified it. Jesus says, don't marvel at the fact that the world hates you. Remember that it hated me first. So if you're a Christian, prepare for this. Expect this. Don't avoid this. Don't try to reason out. Reason our way around it. Don't try to cover up your faith. Don't try to hide your faith just because if you live openly as a follower of Jesus and if I live openly as a follower of Jesus then I have all of these trouble coming to me. It's futile to do that. Why 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 are sufferings and trials and temptations necessary? What are they for? Okay James 1 chapter 2 to 4 says this it says consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials. The word brothers there I should include sisters because it's a generic term for, hey, everybody, okay? Consider it pure joy, everybody, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything, It's God's plan to build our faith and make us complete in our trust in Him, lacking in nothing in this world. And we look to God for everything because this is God's way of building up our faith, building us up as human beings, building us up as men, as women, building us up as parents, building us up as husbands and wives. This is God's way. It's never going to be a walk in the park if we try to, uh, you know, if we try to think that we can have our faith and we can live honorable lives without being filtered through the lens of suffering and temptations and trials. Our faith is not a situational faith. It's faith in God. God intends for us to lack nothing in this world. To have him be the sufficient source of everything in life. And we struggle with that word sufficiency. Because there's so many options we have in the world, you know, to solve our own issues, to battle these things. But God says, no, I allow that because it will produce in you perseverance. And that perseverance with, will develop in you, um, y- you know, the, the, the power to finish what I have started, and that is to grow you up, to make you complete in me, so that you'll trust nothing else but me. We don't have a situational faith. We look to God only, you know, that by, that, by that I mean sometimes we only look to God uh, on certain times in our life, certain situations. But God allows these things so that we'll persevere in faith because it leads to the maturity of our faith. What's getting you down? In your walk with the Lord? What's getting you down in life? What is it that stops you from persevering in your faith? Now, I'm speaking to to Christians. I I realize that if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So, yes, I'm preaching to the choir. This is a church, okay? I don't expect people that come to church, uh, you know, not to know what the church is about. What's getting you down? What's the biggest issue that's challenging your faith right now? Here's a word for you and I this morning. Face it head on. Tell yourself, I'm not going to go avoid it. I'm going to confront it with the help of the Spirit of God. I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to win this battle. I'm not going to listen (laughs) to any of the noise that comes around. I believe that That God has empowered me to be able to be triumphant and victorious in this life. Whatever it is, I can give tons of examples that, that, that challenges our walk with God. And I can almost tell you that the answer that the scripture will give is the same thing. Trust in the Lord with all of your might and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. And the path of light is the path of life. That's what Christians have believed for centuries, for thousands of years. We don't have a new faith. We have an ancient faith rooted in the garden all the way back to Revelation. First Peter 2.21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What did Jesus do to the challenges that faced him? He faced it head on. And he trusted the Lord for everything. What else is futile? We know it's futile to avoid challenges, but secondly, it's futile to accept compromises okay what is a compromise i mean compromising your faith compromising you know what you held what you hold to be true as god's word in your life that's why I, i advocate you knowing the word of god the king the great king david says your words i have hidden in my heart so i may not violate your law i might not sin against you that's a wise counsel for all of us okay what is a compromise It's a half-baked or negative response to the commandments of God. That's what compromise is. It's when you try to work out a solution to satisfy two parties. That's a compromise. And Jesus over and over and over again, don't go there. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot offer your worship to God and also worship Belial. Avoid compromises. Do not accept it. Here's a word in 2 Corinthians 6 14 to 18. It it says this very clearly. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and the idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and work among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. It's very clear that God doesn't want any kind of competition when it comes to our walk with Him. It's a wise counsel. And it's something that we can't do alone. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit. You know, last, last Christmas, uh, you know, the biggest problem that people have about understanding Christmas, and let me just repeat this, is this aspect of, of, of the message of Christmas that says, God is with us, okay? And that's true. God is with us. Everybody has access to God. That access to God is Jesus, but very few understand that in order for there to be a transformation, in order to be, for there to be a regeneration, in order for there to be a change in the core of our being, God, we must, we must not stop at believing that God is with us. We also must recognize that God is in us by the power of His Spirit. The moment you come to faith in Jesus, you and I are indwelt by the Spirit of God. God lives no longer in temples built by human hands. The reason why this temple, Living Rock Building, that's why it exists here, because the people that come here have the Spirit of God in them. The church is not the building. You know this already. I mean, it's such a cliche now. The church is you and I, because the Spirit of God dwells in us. Thirdly, It's futile to adjust convictions. It's futile to adjust convictions. Paul writes, These struggles, these challenges, these issues, these problems, these trials, whatever they were, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. It speaks of what we know in our being that God has placed these convictions in our hearts. Okay, that God has given us that power to stand in the midst of all of these things that are happening. How many times do you change positions on issues because you're persuaded by some fine-sounding argument against what you held to be true of God's Word? I could cite many examples. Okay? Uh, you know, you, you you firmly stand on something against something. I You know, I don't want to be controversial and just spit out some kind of example. But you know God's Word says something to be true. And you know God says no to this and God says yes to that. And you're, you're trying to navigate your life understanding that this is what God's will is. This is what God wants to do. How many times have you changed positions on those issues simply because your friends, your family, your spouse convinces you to ignore the Word of God? That happens all the time. And that's why you, sometimes we function uh, inadequately as Christians because we've been hearing so much from other sources rather than what God has already says. 2 Timothy 1, 11 to 12, Paul writes this. He says, and of this gospel, this is the truth that we have received, okay? This is the word of Christ. Of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Paul says, You know, I, I have these this convictions in me, the, the, the God built convictions, the gospel itself, the word of truth, the words of Christ. I have them in my heart, and because I have them in my heart, I truly suffer for this. I truly have been challenged, and, and uh, you, know, you know, because I, I cannot negotiate with other kinds of convictions. That's why I'm suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced, that's the word conviction, I'm convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted in Him for that day. I'm not, I'm not giving you my thoughts about this thing, conviction thing. I only, can only preach from the confines of the Scriptures. Why is our conviction so important? Because Christianity, historically, okay, has never been effective when it compromises its convictions. When Christianity mirrors the culture rather than becoming a counterculture, it loses its saltiness.